Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Pride Month. And we have upcoming events at Mission Hills in person, believe it or not, this Saturday. So that's June 12th. If you're listening to this before Saturday or before June 12th at 7.30 p.m., we're having a movie night at the church outside. We're going to watch The Sandlot. Bring your own chairs, bring your own beverages, and bring your own snacks. And really looking forward to that. We will also have Pride Packs at that event. If you have not picked up your Pride Pack, come join us Saturday night, 7.30, as we watch The Sandlot together. Then the next Saturday, we're having our San Fernando Valley Pride event. That's at North Hollywood Park. If you'd like to help us, you can find a volunteer link on Instagram or Facebook. That is from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m., and you can come and go, and we're going to have a resource booth there. There's going to be about 15 other vendors, and it will be a great time to celebrate Pride with our San Fernando Valley community. Then the next Friday... June 25th, we're having an affirming worship night with Kelly and some special guests. That's also at 7.30 at Mission Hills, and it is actually our first in-person indoor event since March of 2020. So I'm really excited to be able to show everybody the new inside of Mission Hills, and we've been doing a lot of work on it. And so if you can make that 7.30, June 25th, that's a Friday night for our affirming worship night. And I think that's that's all the announcements. We'll have more stuff in, in July, and we will have, of course, our Garden Day at 10 a.m. at the last Sunday of June as well. So it is the week of Sunday, June 13th, and that's the third week after Pentecost, and we're in the lectionary, of course, in Mark 4 this week. Starting in verse 26. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground. And would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And then when the grain is ripe, at once he goes with the sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth its large branches so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as if they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The word of the Lord. So a while back, I don't know if it was on a podcast or or what he was talking about, but I heard patron saint of Mission Hills, Richard Rohr, uh, talking about how when he was younger, he used to think that his work in the world and God's work through him was kind of like a 50-50 Exchange, And then he got older, his side of that number became less and less, and now he thinks it's somewhere around a 99% to a 1% type of relationship. And when I hear these two parables, I hear Jesus speaking to the mysterious nature of this dynamic. And I think it's an interesting conversation to have and a paradox really to consider, uh, particularly in light of Kelly's great sermon from a few weeks ago in Acts when she talked about 
the necessity of the followers of Christ after Jesus's ascension to be embodied Christ in the world, bringing justice, love, mercy, and compassion, to be the hands and feet of Christ to the world. And yet, when Jesus talks about the kingdom, it's so much more mysterious and natural and universal, cosmic, whatever word you want to describe, that it takes the weight off of us as individuals because it's a it's a process that that just happens. And when we think about the kingdom of God, we're we're also talking about uh, ultimate reality. Um, you know, the capital R, real God's movement in the universe, 13.8 billion years in process, deepening towards love, justice, mercy. Um, this nature of reality, the kingdom of God, is what Jesus is using stories to try to get at. What is really, what is the universe really like? What is life really like? And I think it's important to look at the vision of the kingdom of God through these two parables this week for a variety of reasons. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna hint at kind of what I'm hearing now. I mean, there's so many different things you can say about these two really short stories. Uh, but I'm going to point out a few things, and then we can talk about it on Sunday. So first off, in this story, the the farmer, the person in the first story of the growing seed, simply plants the seed. But I think it's funny that this person is completely, completely unaware how the seed actually grows, right? So this is not a, a Monica person that knows everything that's happening in the inner workings of uh, the science and what's going on to the seed as it's in the ground. So the growth and development of the plant is not only completely out of its control, but he doesn't even know how it grows for it to grow. Uh, the process of growth happens and the farmer comes at the end, we, we presume, to, to harvest the crop. So I'm sure Monica would have a few things to say about this person's farming approach. Uh, but as a parable about the kingdom of God, it's just worth asking, like, what is Jesus trying to, to say about the nature of reality in this story? If this person is, the kingdom is like the seed being sown and the person or people not knowing like what's going on, what the process is for this seed to turn into the crop that can be picked or plant or harvested. So it's interesting for me to think about this because it seems like the kingdom of God uh, is more of a natural process than maybe we often, as Christians, talk about it being. It brings to mind the intricacies of, of evolution and today the importance of uh, eco-spirituality that allows a lot of space and, and time and silence for creation to to work and to develop and to grow and to heal. And we spoke last year about the ways that we saw the planet respond to COVID-19 when it forced our countries and corporations to stop the normal pace of production and environmental degradation. So it's worth pointing out that Jesus's parables about the earth can and should, I think, inform our particular engagement with the environment and our faith's emphasis on cooperating with nature and God rather than bending it to our wills with force and particularly the rate that humanity has done this since the industrial revolution. So I think it's important to point out that 
the kingdom of God, whatever Jesus is hinting at when he talks about ultimate reality, that there is a secularity to this kingdom. It's uh, it's about this earthy world, not another world in which the seed is sown. So we think about it in normal life terms. This person sows the seed and then leaves it and doesn't even know how it works and goes about his life. So if we think about it in terms of our lives, we have dinner, we take out the trash, we do laundry, we go for a run, we wake up in the morning, maybe make some good coffee, we spend time with friends or family. In this parable about the kingdom, Jesus doesn't make distinctions about the spiritual or what is good or bad or holy or sacred, but rather the kingdom of God is sown into the world in which we live so that we can live. Um, how does Jesus's parable call us to sow seeds of the kingdom and patiently give space, time, silence for God to work, for nature to develop and grow beneficially so that we might harvest some kind of crop at the end or that someone else might harvest some kind of crop at the end? How do we sort of put ourselves in um, positions in life, um, even if we don't know how certain things work, to, to live our lives and to trust that the kingdom of God is working with and around us. How might this approach of sort of um, allowing God to work in the world or changing our relationship about how we think about that um, rather than necessarily having to, to muscle it ourselves so we're cultivating um, a kind of patience and awareness um, and knowing that this can, this is also a kind of work that can change us, that we're sort of taking part in. So this approach of, of sort of taking a step back as a kind of engagement in the world, um, how does that change the way that we think about Christian faith or the ways that uh, you've heard Christianity talked about before, a sort of understanding, um, cultivating a kind of patience and awareness for God's work in the world, rather than it sort of resting all on our shoulders. So maybe another question would be, so does, does this kind of faith require less action, more action, or just the right type of action with the right amount of time? Does it require less action, more action, or just right action in right time? And thinking about this, the kingdom is like the seed being sown into the world. Okay, so the second parable is probably really familiar to you. Uh, if you've been in church at all, it's the mustard seed parable. Uh, and Jesus um, seems to say through this parable, uh, what I hear is that the kingdom of God is wild and unglamorous. So I found a quote from Pliny the Elder, who lived in the first century. I think he actually died in Mount Vesuvius, the volcano exploded. Uh, he wrote, Mustard, with its pungent taste and fiery effect, is extremely beneficial for health. It grows entirely wild, though it is improved by being transplanted. But on the other hand, when it when it has once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it as the seed 
when it falls, germinates at once. So in the life and times and context of Jesus, uh, the mustard plant, tree, bush, shrub, would have been a common weed. And I think this is not something that we typically think about uh, when we think about this parable, that it would not necessarily be something that someone would intentionally plant to to harvest a crop, because like uh, Pliny was saying, it just sort of is so wild that once you plant it, you really can't get rid of it. So uh, it's a weed that, given the right conditions, we've seen uh, in and around Los Angeles from time to time. It can just like pop up everywhere. And I'm sure, I think it was a couple of years ago, we had a super bloom uh, of mustard in the spring. It's really pretty. They have the yellow uh, flowers and they can grow pretty tall. Uh, but it's it's not really that exciting or interesting. It's just the mustard plant kind of takes over a hillside and it's sort of a strange metaphor to use to talk about the kingdom of God, to talk about a mustard seed and a mustard plant. Okay, like he, Jesus is not talking about the sequoias or uh, the Rocky Mountains or something that would be interesting that people will actually go travel to see. It's just like, no, it's like a mustard plant and it takes over a hillside and, you know, there's some birds that come land. It's like, okay, is that the best metaphor to use? Like, what is what is Jesus trying to describe about ultimate reality that is caught up in this story, this parable, this metaphor of the mustard seed and mustard plant? It's really strange. I mean, what I tend to think about our world and universe and how it can and should change to reflect the values of you know, the human dignity of all people and all things to move towards a world in which justice, love actually happens for everybody and everything. I tend to think of bold, like big action that can tilt the scales really quickly in that direction. But this parable is always really challenging to me because it seems to be saying that the process towards this ultimate reality of love and justice is a lot more strange and seemingly insignificant that uh, this kind of revolution of love just sort of naturally comes about. And I tend to look out at the world and I'm like, well, okay, where, you know, it's how, how do we take part in this? How does this sort of uh, naturally come about in our world that is still so ruled and controlled by imperial and, and corporate powers, and yet Jesus is saying in his world that is uh, controlled by imperial Roman power, uh, that change comes through the seemingly small and significant and collective action, and it's going to come from the bottom. It's a, it's a hopeful and challenging message, to me at least. And I think this it is where we can maybe find some hope and empowerment that uh, Jesus reminds us that it's not about top-down change. It's front, real revolution comes from the bottom up. It comes from the strange. It comes from the insignificant. Um, it, it will take over like a strange super bloom of mustard. For a universe and a for humanity that awaits the dignity of all people and all things. The mustard seed... Hopefully it can remind us that it matters that how we do small things is how we do everything. And I think these parables reinforce the mystery of God's kingdom 
that's hidden even from us. That we're like the first person that plants the seed. Like we don't really know how it works. We're maybe we're frustrated in between. We go and live our lives. But there's a faith, there's a trust that God is working towards love and justice, that all of this is moving in the direction, the dignity of all things. And I think Jesus' invitation and the call of God obviously remains the same, even if we can't see the growth, the bloom, or the harvest. It's in this space, this waiting, the silence, um, the inner life. These are all critical elements to God's process of creation and of our own lives. Uh, Meister Eckhart is credited with saying, if your inner life is rich, your outer world will never be puny. And I think the kingdom of God is like this, hopefully enriching our inner life, hopefully enriching behind the scenes the mysterious nature of all things and all creation. The kingdom of God is like that inner reality of the 99% of God's movement of love in our lives in the 1% of our feeble responses to allow that love to change us enough to create a kind of strange, seemingly insignificant, bottom-up revolution of love. So I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Church, may we be silent long enough for our inner lives to be rich so that this strange, insignificant, and wild movement of God could change everything. And as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well. Be well.